This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman, and welcome to The Loop. There are adventurous eaters out there. You might be one of them. I know I've had my fair share playing with veganism and vegetarianism. And then on the other end of the spectrum, too, trying alligator and kangaroo and crickets. There are really different approaches, geographically, culturally, and taste bud-wise to food. But one kind of meat that we really don't hear a lot about in Alberta is horse. Yet Canada is home to a thriving, I'll bet contentious, industry that sees thousands of horses slaughtered every year for the purposes of eating. There's now a proposed federal ban targeting one part of that business, the practice of flying live animals overseas for slaughter. CBC reporter Wallace Snowden has been down the horse meat rabbit hole for the last little while uh, and joins me now to break it down. Hello, Wallace. Hello. So the first question that I have to ask, and I apologize, uh, were you a horse girl growing up? Well, full disclosure, (laughs) I think most gals probably go through some phase or another where they're into horses. Um, I did ride for many years English Saddle back in the East Coast. And I still go for a few overnight trips, you know, whenever I can. Mm -hmm. In the mountains out here, it's a beautiful place to ride. But I mean, in the context of this story, I also come from a family of farmers and people involved in uh, livestock industry. So... I guess I can see it from from yeah. both sides. You're open-minded. Yeah. So set the scene for me. How big is this horse meat industry here in Canada? Well, it's bigger than you might think. Certainly it's it's smaller and more niche than some of the other industries you might think of like beef and pork, but it still pumps millions of dollars into the economy each year. And so while it may feel taboo for some of us, the thought of eating horse meat, there's certainly a market for it here in Canada. So have you ever come across it in a grocery store, maybe here or maybe while traveling even? I've certainly seen it in the menu uh, in Europe, uh, but I know that it's available. It's available across the country. It's particularly popular in Quebec. I know there's a butcher shop here in town where you can get horse meat, sandwich meat. Uh, There's high-end restaurants across the country that offer it on their menus. So it's certainly around. It's perfectly legal. But that said, exports do make up the bulk of this market here. So we have packaged meat that's from the horse slaughtered domestic that is sent to markets overseas, mainly Europe and Asia. And countries like Switzerland, France, Belgium are, are among the biggest buyers. But the issue that we see today in Ottawa, the one that is in the spotlight, is the issue of live exports. So that's sending live horses overseas for slaughter. What is horse meat supposed to taste like? Just for context, I got to know. I have not actually tried it, but I've spoken with a few folks who definitely have. Uh, It's supposed to be quite sweet and rich in flavor. The live export horses are being bred for a very particular market, and that's in Japan. They serve it raw uh, as a sushi, and that is a very high-end item, similar price to a, a good steak. Um, it's a very nice meal uh, for the market there, and it's called cherry blossom meat for its unique flavor and texture. So it's a it's a coveted thing. It's a delicacy yeah, yeah. over there, high up on the list. Mm-hmm. So are are there Canadian based slaughterhouses still doing this, or is it mostly that kind of like live export action going on? There there are domestic slaughterhouses. 
houses. There's fewer than there used to be, but there's still two main ones operating in Canada. There's Richelieu in Quebec and Bouvry here in southern Alberta. And those operations have uh, feedlots all around them, sort of feeding that that demand. Uh, so they are domestic slaughterhouses. And they are feeding that demand for the packaged meat overseas. The The parent company for those two plants declined to participate in an interview with CBC. But those are the operations that are feeding that domestic supply and that demand for also packaged meat on international markets. Gotcha. So more about these contentious, it sounds like, live exports. How do they work? Well, as I mentioned, these horses for the export market, the live export market, are purpose-bred. So they're big draft horses, docile breeds generally, and they start their lives on the feedlot and then are shipped from the feedlot to the tarmac. Uh, and then they were carefully inspected for signs of disease, um, what quality of meat they might have. There's actually inspectors, from my understanding, from Japan that come over and sort of handpick oh. the ones that will be put in the crates. Quality control. Quality. There's, there is a lot of quality control, and, and that's certainly what uh, the Canadian Inspection Agency, Food Inspection Agency, w- would stand by here, is that there is a lot of attention paid to the quality of these horses. So they, they are shipped to the tarmac. They're in wooden crates, about three or four to a crate. And then once they pass their inspection, they're loaded into that cargo hold uh, and shipped overseas. And then once they're in Japan, they spend about three months on the feedlots there being fattened up before being slaughtered. I mean, what are the folks saying that are against this kind of action? I'm sure there's folks on both sides. So who's against the shipping of live horses? Well, there are several groups that have been keeping a close watch on these exports, uh, the main one being the Canadian Horse Defence Coalition. Seneca Crosland, their president, says horses in transit are subjected to cruel and inhumane conditions. The way they are shipped, it's a concern. They're crammed three to four horses. And these are these are good-sized horses. You know, by the time if they're, they're a year and a half old, they're, they're big because they're drafted horses. Um, They're put into these wooden crates, crates which appear to be flimsy, uh, and they're loaded onto the aircraft. Often they're sitting on the tarmac uh, for quite a number of hours. They have no food, water, or rest. We've seen uh, that there have been some dead horses. There was one that uh, actually was probably colicking or something like that in, in pain and kicked right through the wooden crate, uh, damaged the fuselage of the plane um, and was found dead um, in the crate. It's a horrific journey. This is the heart of the debate. Uh, Canadian regulations dictate that the animals in transit should spend no more than 28 hours without food, water or rest. So in those crates. But critics like Seneca say that too often those regulations are broken. And there have been some high-profile examples of this. A recent shipment out of Winnipeg exceeded the time limit by several hours, and that prompted a formal complaint. And this petition that we've now seen to Ottawa that had, uh, you know, hundreds of signatures, Jan Arden has become the face of this campaign. The singer-songwriter has really thrown her support behind the activists here. 
And she actually recently met with Justin Trudeau about the proposed ban. So she's really helped throw the issue back into the spotlight and and push that private member's bill to sort of the top of the discussion board in Ottawa. How do people involved in this process respond to those allegations that these exports are inhumane? Well, People in the industry stand by their work. They argue the industry is no different than any other sector of of the livestock industry and that producers and exporters involved in the trade have been unfairly villainized. Many suggest that it's about this sort of discomfort people have with the idea of horses being eaten Mm. and that has put them in the crosshairs. Jennifer Woods is a Calgary-based livestock handling expert, so she conducts animal welfare audits for the transport industry. So she's at the feedlot. She's at the airport actually um, riding along with those horses in some cases as they make the journey over to Japan. And she says the conditions are tightly monitored and the regulations here are among the strictest going. Um, She says that the market in Japan is obsessed with quality. As I mentioned, this is a high-end product and they want these horses well cared for and healthy so that the meat is of a good quality. So she argues that it really is one of the highest regulated aspects of Canada's export market. There's a, so many checks and balances through this whole process and and, and that the regs are adhered to. You know, this really comes down to the end use of the animal and an animal's end use should not define what their welfare is during life. And we transport thousands of animals, including horses, every day by air. We export pigs, we export cattle, you know, we export them all under the same regulations and um, requirements. So I just really struggle with that. This air transport is only inhumane when it's export horses bound for Japan's meat market, not all the other animals we transport by air. So you mentioned the private member's bill. Um, On a federal level, what is actually being proposed? So the bill calls for a prohibition, a strict prohibition on the export of horses, live horses for slaughter. And if it's approved, it would be a $250,000 fine or up to a two-year jail term for anyone found participating in that trade. Domestic slaughter, so that packaged meat, those feedlots we talked about here uh, in Alberta would be untouched by this proposed legislation. Justin Trudeau first vowed to end the practice of live exports back in 2021 in a mandate letter to his ag minister, but years have passed since that promise was made. So MP Tim Lewis has put this private member's bill on the table in in an attempt to dismantle this industry, and it is a thriving one. As I mentioned earlier, hundreds, thousands of horses are shipped over to Japan every year. Last year alone, 2,600 Canadian horses were sent overseas for slaughter at a total value of about $19 million. So it is a a, a big segment of that industry. Yeah. So what comes next? What are people watching for? Well, that's what people on both sides of this debate are anxiously waiting to find out. Bill DeBars is chair of the Horse Welfare Alliance of Canada. He vehemently opposes a ban on any live exports. He spent decades breeding Appaloosas at his home in uh, near Medicine Hat. And he told me he would sell a few of old horses, a few old horses every year into the domestic slaughter. He felt it was a humane option to deal with horses at the end of their life. And he said he always respected his livestock uh, and considers them sort of his friends. But he does eat meat. He eats cows and horses. And he feels really frustrated to see politics 
sort of play a role in, in what's on his dinner plate and to see this proposed ban threaten the livelihoods of breeders and producers in this export market across Canada. As much as I respect many people who uh, would rather not eat any meat, that's fine. That's their privilege and their prerogative. But uh, we raise uh, livestock uh, to provide a source of protein to humans who want to eat it. So as you can hear from Bill, it is a bit of an anxious waiting game for people in the industry right now. Without a doubt, the horse welfare advocates I spoke with that have so much affection for these animals are waiting in anticipation. They're applauding this as progress towards a potential outright ban on horses being slaughtered in Canada. But it really is a situation where we have to wait and see what happens in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. How much of this do you think is that question of consumption, that these horses are being shipped out for the purposes of eating? It does raise that issue for a lot of people that I spoke with, including Dylan Gordon. He's a Halifax-based anthropologist, and he's spent years researching Canadian food culture and eating patterns in Canada. He says the taboo is a difficult one to unpack. He says there are some elements of this conversation around Japan that are problematic, that echo that kind of racism we've seen in the past, judging other cultures for how they eat differently from us. Uh, and othering those cultures. But he says the taboo at its at its base element raises an interesting, more basic question about what animals were willing to eat. Especially in Alberta, where, you know, there's a there's a community that that works with horses, that has horses as part of their lives, that has a strong affinity for horses. For these people, horses are people. Uh, and the idea of eating them is you know, moral, morally abhorrent, uh, much like even more people would say about dogs and whatnot. But, you know, not everyone feels that way. Uh, and, uh, and, and so they're willing to eat it. So I think the root of the taboo really comes down to, you know, how emotionally attached or emotionally close we feel to horses and, and what kind of moral agency we ascribe them. So Gordon says the debate really should open up that conversation around what kind of practices we're willing to accept elsewhere in the Canadian food chain. He suggests that no matter what happens with the ban or what side of the debate you might fall on, it presents an opportunity to think more deeply about what you put on your plate and how it gets there. And maybe we need to think a little bit more about things that are happening closer to home in the food industry. Yeah. This story went on the web earlier this week. Obviously, it caught my eye, uh, but I can imagine <laughs> that horse meat is a really hot topic. So what kind of response are you seeing to this? I've heard a lot of feedback from both sides. Um, I know it's one of those stories when I, I start getting emails in my inbox right away. Mm. Uh and there, there is frustration from both sides of this. I think both sides of this debate feel really far apart, like they're not being heard and that they're really far away from the center of things. But part of what drew me to this story is a desire to really unpack how this industry works because mm -hmm. the debate is so heated. Uh, I did just want to take a step back and take a broader look at at the logistics, if anything, of how these horses go from the feedlot to the dinner plate, so to speak. Thanks for this, Wallace. Thanks so much. The Loop is a podcast from CBC Edmonton. 
And our team this week is Leslie Goldstone, Jess Garrett Mundare, and Olivia O. Oh. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonnyman. Thank you so much for listening. The Loop is recorded on Treaty 6 territory, traditional lands of First Nations and Métis communities. If you want to get in touch, you can always send us an email, theloop at cbc.ca, or leave us a rating or review wherever you download the show. And you can find us on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.